From PRX's Radiotopia, this is the Memory Palace. I'm Nate DeMeo. This summer season is made possible by Squarespace, your all-in-one website-making platform. So you have an idea for a website, right? But you don't know where to start. Well, start at squarespace.com. There you can build that site, that site that's just been living in your head with tools that are intuitive and easy to use and cheap. Plans start at just eight bucks a month. Start your free trial site today with no credit card required at squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code MEMORY to get 10% off your first purchase. That's squarespace.com. Use offer code MEMORY. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. Squarespace. Helping us replant the garden maze with drought-resistant native hedges here at the palace. If you live in Southern California, you know what I'm talking about. And if you do, come see a big schmancy live Memory Palace show at the beautiful, if slightly parched, Hollywood Forever Cemetery in September. Folks in Seattle and Portland can see the same show with some site-specific variations in August. Check out thememorypalace.us for ticket information. And here's episode 70. Developments in the Design and Manufacture of American Menswear, 1840-1860. A fable. This is The Memory Palace. I'm Nate DeMeo. Somewhere in the Misty Mountains, the wild men danced. Their beards were thick and long and stuck with burrs, smelled of campfires and grease and venison and whiskey. They'd shout and swear and cheat at cards and spill things and fight over the few women who had found themselves up on that mountain under the stars. So, so many stars. They'd pass pipes, shout in Spanish and French and English, in the languages of the Blackfoot and the Hopi and the Zuni and the Navajo and the Cree and the Ute and the Washoe and the Shoshone, in the many peoples of the Western lands. Some would pass out to wake in the morning with pine needles pressed into their cheeks. Someone would die, surely more than one. What with the whiskey and the wild men all together again for one time a year? Men who spent most of their lives alone out in the woods, reading the forest floor, laying traps, setting snares, shooting bears, clubbing beavers, removing skins with knives they'd wash clean in the streams that flowed from these mountains. It was called a rendezvous, this rumpus. No matter where these men were from, no matter how they came to be trappers, no matter what language they heard in their heads during all those days and months alone, they knew at least that one word in French, and they'd picked up enough English or Spanish or Blackfoot or Hopi to do the business required to sell those skins, as the men from the Eastern Fur Companies would weigh their work and count up the dead and give the wild men gold to go wild with, there on that mountain beneath the so, so many stars. The men would tell tall tales of their travels in the vast lands beyond the mountains, of the petrified forests with the petrified birds whose songs still hung in the air, of the valleys so vast a man could shout, wake up, before bed and the echo of his own voice would be his own alarm clock when it finally returned in the morning. But for these wild men on that mountain, whose personal wanderings may have taken them to the foot of Devil's Tower, found them alone in the incomprehensible whiteness of the Great Salt Lake, or on a bluff looking out over the improbable purples of the painted desert before dusk. Could any tale be too tall? In a world this new and open and unknown, was a stone bird frozen mid-flight that much more fantastic than the tales these fur company men told them of life in the eastern cities. And of what would become of a single skin they had sold that had once kept a single beaver warm in the water in the winter. In New York, in Boston, Philadelphia, they were told, 
Fine gentlemen wore hats sometimes seven, eight inches tall. Absurdities that had come to be called top hats, that were covered in the skins of beavers, pelts that had been shaved and scraped and steamed, which threw off mercury vapors that poisoned hatters and made them go mad. The best of these pelts, the most desired by the furriers and the milliners, were the ones that had been worn by the wild men themselves. Because winter winds and trapper sweat made them softer, and all set to be worn by softer men. Men who liked how the felted fur shined a bit blue in the right kind of light. Because it had come from an animal whose sex glands produced oil to protect it in the waters of the Gila or the Colorado or the Columbia rivers and meant that these high hats could withstand a summer sprinkle. It wouldn't smell or wilt whilst at the opera or what have you. Anyone who was anyone had to have a top hat from a top top hat shop, and the beavers of the West made for some of the best. And so, half a country and a world away, the wild men went back down the mountain and out into the woods for another year to ensure that these city men looked sharp on some Saturday. A word about the North American beaver. It is an extraordinary creature. We become so inured to its wonders because we've simply seen too many cartoons and read too many alphabet books. You only have to make it to the second page to see one. But here is an animal who has evolved to chop down trees with its teeth, who uses those trees to make dams that create pools and ponds and redirect streams and dictate the courses of rivers and the terms of living for whole habitats of fish and fowl and furry things pile rocks and twigs and pack mud with those tails, those, those incredible tails, all to make pools that serve as moats for their fortresses, their lodges, in the middle of the water, to protect them and their mates, they mate for life, and their kits. These homes of stick and stone and earth that keep bears and coyotes and wolves and wolverines at bay. But a word about those homes. They can't keep out a man who can swim, who can ford a stream, who can break wood and dig through earth and stone with tools and rough hands and opposable thumbs, and can club a beaver while it sleeps. Which the wild men did all year long, and then back up the mountains they'd go. It was like that for years. The pelts piled high, the rendezvous raucous, years of plenty. But one year the trappers get talking, Ask how the last 12 months went for the others out there this past year on their own. And they talk of the beavers, how they were harder to find. They used to be everywhere. Tens of millions all told. Not now, not at all. And the men would swap tips and trade secrets, telling about the river that used to be filled with creatures, but now was not. The places where you shouldn't even bother trying to look. Not anymore, not at all. And they would sit by a campfire and hear incredible tales that were true nonetheless about valleys in the east and rivers that cut across the plains where there simply were no beavers anymore. They'd hear a tale about how one of the fur companies that had set out to rid the Snake River of beavers completely simply to manipulate the market. That one was harder to believe than the petrified birds, but you could write it in stone. And back down the mountain they'd go, and still fewer beavers, and back up the next year. And the company men would pay top dollar to keep the top hats felted with beaver fur, and back down the mountain, and barely any beavers, and back up the next year. And the company men would pay even more, for the soft men of the east needed soft fur, and back down the mountain, 
and the beaver was nearly gone. From millions upon millions to mere rumor. But that year on the Misty Mountain, under the so, so many stars, the wild rendezvous was much less wild. They went up to the company men with their handfuls of furs and were told those furs weren't wanted. And then were told, there by some campfire, a tale that was hard to believe. One day, in some city, some gentleman arrived at some party in some salon, and the sight of him fogged up the monocles of fine men and set their florid mustaches aflutter above their quavering lips. For this one gentleman, lost now in the mists of history, wore on his head a silk top hat. Just as they read in the paper the King of England had taken to wear, though those stories had been hard to believe. But here was one of them, right there in their midst, atop some pioneer's head. And they had to have one. Beaver was so last season. And so the wild men would need to find some other thing to hunt, or mine, or make. Which was a bit of a relief, I'm sure, if you were facing the prospect of heading out there for another year. Wondering if your next beaver might not just be your last, but the last. And so the wild men went back down the mountain, set out for different lands, and the soft men went out in their high hats of soft silk that shined just so in the light of some chandelier. And so there are still beavers in this world. <laughs>